0: you have made a playlist of music? Anybody? You don't do that? A playlist is just simply some songs, your favorite songs that you string together, and then you just listen to them over and over. We've got a playlist here that plays before the services and after. You probably didn't even realize that, but Christmas playlists are really awesome. So here at Salem Fields, we began our Christmas playlist last week, and do you remember the, the uh, song that Buddy talked to us about and we sang? Oh, uh, white Christmas! Yeah, and it says in there, "I'm dreaming of a white Christmas." And sometimes our dreams are not realized. And uh, so, Buddy talked to us about how we can navigate through through the Christmas holiday season when we're dis- when we're uh, disappointed. And uh, around here, you'll hear songs probably, uh, maybe even today that'll that will be. I'll be home for Christmas, and we'll hear that one next week. And it's a wonderful time of year, and holly jolly Christmas. And uh, here's one of the old favorites, so let's stand and sing it. How about those guys back there? They don't get to cut loose like that very often. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. Joy. That's what it's all about. Joy. But let me ask you this. Have you ever noticed that you can come here on a Sunday morning and you can hear a song and you can be singing those words, but you're just not feeling it? It's like I'm not really jolly. I don't feel the joy. And uh, this really isn't the most wonderful time of the year. There's a lot of people like that. Many people, when, when Christmas time rolls around, and I just spoke with someone right before the service, and I said, this message is for you because, you know, we can come here, and uh, it isn't really the most wonderful time of year because, uh, this time of year kind of begins to remind us of some things that have happened and it's easy for discouragement to set in and, and really on your playlist, it's just blue, blue Christmas on repeat. And that's the way it is for a lot of people. Now I'm wondering if there's anybody here, like Buddy last week had people come up and talk about some disappointments that they've had. Is there anyone here that can share very quickly Maybe something that is discouraging at this time of year for you. It's a little threatening, probably, to do that. But is there anyone that would risk that? When you can't be with family? Yeah, yeah. It's really just kind of sad and discouraging, isn't it? Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for that, Jennifer. She's a public school teacher, and she sees all the little faces, and she knows where hope is found, but really can't communicate that in the classroom. But you definitely take yourself, and you take Jesus in that classroom, and you can't keep that away. Is there anyone else that would share something that's kind of discouraging this time of year? Yeah, people that have passed away, and uh, you're, you're reminded that they're not here this year. That's, that's so true. Well, you know, um, difficult things happen in life, and it's almost like at this time of year, we're kind of reminded, uh, we remember those, and, and discouragement can easily creep in, and that, and that feeling of discouragement can be kind of putting us on this path that will lead down to a place, and before we know it, we're kind of in a dark place, and we think there's really no hope, because Jennifer, for you, it's like, how can I find the hope to communicate in a way that uh, will really make a difference in the lives of people? And it seems almost hopeless, doesn't it? Because it seems like you're, you've just been uh, quieted, you can't really speak that out. And uh, we hear the words, we can be at this time of year and hear the words, for unto us a, a son is given, a child is born. And, and they're just words, kind of like words in a song. And we say, yeah, 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 joy to the world, but I'm just, not, I'm just not there. And you know, I hate saying this, but difficult things will always happen. Very seldom can you use, especially when you're in an argument Don't use the words never and always (laughs) because it's always a loophole they can get you on. But in this case, I can say difficult things will always happen. Difficult things will always happen in life. I think of Jane, and many of you may know her. Her funeral was this past week. She's a vibrant young mom, and uh, she had an 18 year old daughter. And um, I'll never forget just a few months ago when she learned that she had a brain tumor. and this week she passed away. So, here at Christmas time, an 18 year old girl's without her mom and her, her brother is as well. And then I think of Jeff, whose funeral was yesterday. Uh, Jeff was a young man in his 30s, had three young boys, the oldest 13. He was a vibrant Christ follower. He was a young life leader, was in Scotland for quite a while. And uh, his funeral was yesterday. And uh, just one year ago today, uh, his father in law, you remember Ray, uh, passed away. So, this time of year is kind of a reminder of that. And I'm sure for Becca and the boys and, and for Jeanette, at this time of year, they'll always remember Jeff and how he passed away just a couple of weeks before Christmas. And you know, discouragement can set in. And you know, I've had my share as well at Christmas time. I spent two consecutive Christmases in the hospital. Uh, the first one was when I lost a baby, and it was really traumatic. And the second one was when I lost another baby and discovered that I wouldn't be able to have more children. And I wanted a houseful. I was so thankful that I was able to have Jody, and that's why she's so important, so significant to me, because God allowed me to have a child, but to on- only be limited to one. It, it, was, it was devastating for me. So when Christmas time rolls around, I, I tend to think about that again, you know, and it can, it can be very discouraging. I think of the first Christmas that I had without my mom, and the whole tradition thing changed. We always went to her house on Christmas Eve, and so I said, okay, we just need to change this tradition. We had always done that, so I said, let's just stay in a hotel tonight. And um, some friends of ours brought us this little Christmas tree, and we set it up in that hotel room. And I got to tell you, that was the darkest, loneliest, awful. Ugh, I just remember how awful that was. And I think I just cried all night long. And, you know, we go through these difficult times. and, And the question is, when we get on that path of discouragement, whether it's at Christmas time or any other time, how do we navigate through that so we don't end up losing our hope and, 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 and kind of living in the darkness? How do we do that?
2: Stockings and open the presents they found. The lights on the tree would shine. Voices outside start to see Merry Christmas to all who may dwell here. Merry Christmas, if even just one. May the joy of the sea. Shine. season, surround you. Merry Christmas, with love. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart B Be-
0: You know, our feelings are a gift that God has given to us. If we don't learn how to express our sadness, if we don't learn how to express our anger, then we'll spend our life trying to bury them, trying to push them away. They're a gift that God has given us, and they're clues to what's going on in our heart. They're very, very important in our life. Did you feel, did you allow yourself to feel the kind of emptiness and And sadness, and I know for women it might be a little easier because they'll cry at those Lifetime movies and you guys are kind of like, yeah, right. But you get sad too. And in a culture that doesn't really give you permission to be sad, if you don't learn to express that, you'll be spending your life trying to push it away by doing all kinds of other things. So we have to learn to express those Feelings. And you may be remembering a discouraging time, or maybe you're remembering one that you're going through, or you're thinking of one that you're going through right now. And it probably falls in one of these top six reasons for depression and anxiety at Christmas time. First of all, at the top of the list is the absence of a beloved person, and then it's family conflict. Uh, Financial difficulties, you know, that just, it's just tough. And physical tiredness. I know for Buddy and I, he, he had a big trip yesterday and he's got another one tomorrow morning. And for both of us, we just, you know, we're getting older and we just feel a little tireder. And when you feel physically tired, it just kind of wears you down. And then there's the loneliness. And you know, another thing about loneliness is we need to learn how to be lonely instead of always trying to push it away. One of the greatest lessons I ever learned was how to really feel lonely and not try to make it go away. Because when you allow yourself to feel it, then you'll move through it instead of always trying to push it away. And then there's those just seasonal blues. A lot of people just get kind of, you know, when this time of year or winter rolls around, it's just kind of gives you the blues. And God gives us those feelings so that we can express our heart, but if we're not careful, they can trick us into following them down a road that eventually leads us to a place where there's no hope, and it's very, very dark, and I would say that most of us here know exactly what I'm talking about. I've been on that road, and, and the ultimate ending of that road, if not if, if not brought back, is suicide. Suicide is losing complete hope. It's complete hopelessness. It's complete darkness. And it's not knowing how to get back. And so it begins with discouragement and getting on that path. And we follow it, and if we're not careful, we'll just continue down, and when we find ourselves in that place, we won't know what to do. Now, as a mental health professional, I can give you lots of tips, and I can teach you lots of skills that will help you alleviate that some, and I gave you some of these in your, in your notes. There's 10 things, and I can promise you, if you work on those things, and if you work really hard, it will help. Some And I can give you some hope by telling you that depression is one of the most treatable conditions. Sixty to 80 percent of all people can be treated effectively with a brief, structured form of therapy. That's a lot of hope, because when you get help, there's hope. And I can encourage you that if you work really, really hard, that you'll make some improvement. But even with clear answers, even with those 10 things, that will not guarantee you that you'll be able to come back off of that road. You can work really hard. You know, but what i found is that we people, we tend to resist making the kind of changes that are necessary. I saw a post this week that said, uh, everybody wants muscles, but nobody wants to be sore. That's pretty powerful. And I've found that with the human spirit. I've found that we want something, but it's very rare that we're really willing to do what it takes to get that. And so we can work really hard at these 10 things, and it's good advice, but it's not enough. It's not enough. Our culture says, and I was just with someone last night at dinner, and he was talking about how he's gonna be in this group, and they're gonna be thinking positively. And our culture will tell us that just think about things that make you happy. Or it'll say, uh, just think positively all the time. Well, we know that's not possible, right? And that's good advice, but it's not enough. It's just not enough. It does not bring joy. See, happy and sad, happy is an emotion, Happy depends on your life circumstances. It will go up. I mean, if things are going well, you feel really happy. If things aren't going very well, you feel sad, you feel mad, all of those feelings. Those emotions are going to go up and down based on outer circumstances. And so many people are controlled by those emotions. But joy, joy is completely different. Remember this, it is not an emotion. It is a constant Inner experience, always available to anyone who calls on it. It's always available, and it's not dependent on how good or bad life is going for us. Happy is mentioned in the Bible maybe around 16 times, and joy is mentioned in the Bible somewhere around 300 times. The word of God and the message of God is all about joy. And you know, we'll be singing that song, Joy to the World, and say, I'm just not feeling it. That's a clue, because you're trying to feel joy. It will never be a feeling. Joy is something completely different, and here's the good news. There's only one thing that can steal your joy from you. Now, we let people steal our joy from us. That guy that doesn't drive nearly as well as you, you think that he steals your joy. But nothing can steal our joy but one thing, and that's sin. And that's under our control. Now, last week, Buddy made a statement that I was sitting right over there, and it just hit me in the head. He said, Jesus did not come to take away our problems. He did not come to take away our sadness. He did not come to take away our, our, the bad things that are happening in life. He just didn't. He gets blamed for all that. He came to take away our sin. That's why Jesus came. He came to take away our sin. And think about it. Sin is the only thing that can steal your joy. And so what that means is that sin, the things that we do that we know are wrong, it severs our relationship. It breaks our relationship with God and we will never be able to have joy as long as our relationship with God is broken, never. We can search for it, we can try to get it, and happiness will be the thing that we chase, And we'll try to be happy, and then our life will go up and down based on bad things. It's why we complain and do the woe is me kind of thing, because our lives are dependent on our outer circumstances. But what the believer does, or the person that wants to find hope, they seek joy. Because joy is constant, and it is abiding. And when we confess that sin, when we sincerely admit what we know we're doing wrong, we confess that to God, and we invite Jesus into our heart, that light that flickers in the midst of darkness, when we invite him into our, our, the dirty, dark places of our heart, you know what the Holy Spirit does? He gives us a gift and embeds joy deep within our heart. And we can walk around with that no matter what's going on in our life. And as long as you allow him to be there, the joy of the Lord in all circumstances, will give you strength. And no one, no one can take that from you. Jesus said this. He said, I've come into the world as a light. No one who believes in me stays in darkness. These are Jesus' words to you and to me. And he says, whoever walks in the dark doesn't know where they're going and you see we need a light to be able to make it through the darkness and jesus is that light joy is not an emotion it's not a feeling in corinthians paul said that we can be sorrowful yet always rejoicing and matthew said we can be afraid we can have fear yet be filled with joy and james said Go ahead, thank God for those problems. Don't try to pray them away because those are the very things that will serve you to develop strength. We pray those problems away, don't we? When in reality, God allows those to happen so that you'll become stronger. That is hope. The world is searching for this and here we have the answers Even when life is at its worst, even when the worst possible thing that you think has happened in your life and we have legitimate sorrow and legitimate fear, we can always have deep abiding joy. The events in the world were terrible at the time of Isaiah. This was somewhere 740 to 681 BC, that's when Isaiah lived, and they were horrible just like they are today. And they were very similar to us as well because Assyria, which is modern day Iraq and Syria, were brutally attacking the people. And they were threatened with these depressing and discouraging and dangerous circumstances all around them. Yet the prophet Isaiah saw this great joy coming. Prophets were the people that God spoke to and through. And the prophets would tell the world what. God had said, and Isaiah was doing this, and in the midst of difficult, dangerous circumstances in the world, he saw this joy. He saw that God would send a king and a servant into this dirty world all around them, and for all generations to offer hope and to offer salvation in the midst of trying times to anybody who would respond to him. And he said this, he said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son, and he'll be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. This was Isaiah some 700 years before Jesus was born. The Savior would be hope for all generations, and he'd be a light to the nations, to anybody that would receive him. And the prophet's eye was fixed on that great event. He was attracted. His attention was completely attracted to that. And he could see the reality. He saw the battles that were going on with the people. He saw the conflicts. He saw the darkness all around. But he saw this light cutting through all of it. He saw joy in the people in spite of it. He saw the armor of war laid aside. He saw the image of peace and darkness bowing to the prince. Of peace, Does your darkness bow to the prince of peace? Isaiah saw it. And he described the birth of Jesus in detail and precisely 700 years before it ever happened. And that's how a prophet was known to be true. Everything that he said would come true. And 700 years later, what he said came true. And 700 years later, the world was in a terrible mess. People were still living any way they wanted to. There was this looming danger, and there was this paranoid leader. We don't have any of those in our world. There was was this paranoid leader, and his name was King Herod. And he was so fearful of this coming king and what he had heard. He said, we're going to slaughter all the baby boys in our culture. Now, can you imagine? We've got tons of little boys here we've had a run on boys baby boys and can you imagine someone coming in here and taking all of those baby boys off and slaughtering them that's what was happening at the time when Jesus came into the world the world was in a mess it was depressing and difficult circumstances yet light broke through in the form of a baby and hope and joy was available to anyone who would believe in him and receive him as their savior. And here we are today, part of that exact same story with the exact same offer. Our world is in a terrible mess. And if we get our eyes on that, it will be discouraging and depressing. But God has made a way And it doesn't matter what's going on. Our world might be awful. Your life and the circumstances might be awful right now. It does not matter because hope and joy are available because the Lord has come. And this just might be your time, just like it was for that baby, that light, to break into a dark and depressing world. Maybe it's your world because he brings hope and brings joy. And it says in Luke, the time came for the baby to be born. The timing was perfection. And maybe this morning, the timing is perfection for you. And light, even right now in this moment, is breaking through your darkness. And God is speaking to you because Jesus is joy. And joy is Jesus. And we can have him constantly abiding within us. Joy to the world. We sing those words, but the second line says it all. Say it with me The Lord has come. But you see, we people, we're addicted to our distractions. We don't want to feel sad, so we'll do something else we don't want to we just we just get our eyes on other things so that we don't have to look at certain things discouragement is a distraction health problems are a distraction even good and happy things can be a distraction that mother-in-law that cheating husband those finances that you just labor over and worry about that's a distraction All of those things serve to get your eyes on that and make it the center of your world and off of Jesus where true joy is found. Our world is perfection in giving us distractions. It's hard for us to focus. It's hard, you know, we've had to make messages shorter and shorter because our attention span people's attention span has gotten so small. It takes discipline and work to expand our attention and really focus on what we're making at the center of our world. And if you think about that and you pray on that, you just watch how often you use distractions or you have distractions in your life to get you off focus and get the center stage to be all of those things except for Jesus. And this whole past year, we've been po- focusing on Matthew 6, And what does that say? Seek first the kingdom of God and him and his righteousness. And then all of these other things will be put in perspective. But God is not gonna do that for us. We have to choose to do that ourselves. Putting God first, remembering that he's with us, that brings joy. And it's a gift to everyone, the prophet Isaiah told. It's a gift that God has planned for his children from Genesis to Revelation. It's just that as people, we get distracted. See how you can get distracted with the band? How you can get distracted with the sounds over there. How you can get distracted with a child crying over here or someone that sneezes over there. You follow me? It's very difficult in our world today to keep our eyes fixed where they belong and not to allow these other things to pull us off focus. Nobody can do that for you but you. And God has made that available to all of us down through the ages from Genesis to Revelation when he comes back again and takes us home. We all get to choose. We all get to choose. So I've got a prescription for you and you haven't even gone to the doctor, okay? I'm gonna write out a prescription for you. It's in your notes and you can take it home because I can promise you this is a surefire, healthy, holy way to deal with discouragement. It's even better than medication. (coughs) Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. And pray without ceasing. I don't know about you, but I spend time with God 24 (laughs) seven. I'm like talking to him all the time and he's kind of showing me things and we just kind of walk and talk along and sometimes he gets a little, I don't know, uh, I don't, it's just a relationship. Pray without ceasing. That's that conversation. And give thanks no matter what's going on in your life. Your life is not dependent on the good and the bad things. Your life is dependent on what you carry around within that, within your heart. When you have a King Jesus, when you have King Jesus living inside of you, whether your times are good or bad, you can rejoice. You can rejoice always because you know deep within your being you are a forgiven child of the king. You are connected. You are in relationship with the creator of the universe. And when times are tough, you can pull from that. You can go there 24-7. He's always there. But we have a part in this. We have to receive the king. Joy to the world. What's the next line? Because the Lord has come. And what's the next one? Let earth, that's us, receive her king. So I don't know where you're at with all of that, but I do know this. No matter where you're at in your life, whatever path you're on, Jesus wants to break through with his light. He wants to make all things new in your life. And there's no better time than this time of year. So let's stand together. The altar is always open. We're gonna worship together. I love this song because it so says who Jesus is. And maybe this morning, you need to receive him and invite him into your life. But maybe you're that person that's kind of gone down that road and the darkness is all around you you don't know how to get back. Um, if you're saying, I'm not feeling the joy, that's a clue because joy is not a feeling. It means that you need to reconnect with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the little baby that broke into the world in the midst of a messy world. He can do the same in your world. So let's just Worship this morning and would you be be obedient to whatever God has called you to do.